a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. Welcome to this edition of Global Business. I'm Michelle Vandenberg. Coming up on the program. Production boom, China's industrial profits skyrocket 29.5% in November, signaling strong economic rebound. Historic surge, gold prices hit all-time high of $2,100 an ounce in 2023 amid geopolitical tensions and central bank moves. Market growth, U.S. holiday sales up 3.1% on a yearly basis, reflecting diverse economic sentiment. Profits at China's industrial firms extended gains for a fourth month in November as macro policy effects continue to emerge. Data from the National Bureau of Statistics, or MBS, shows that industrial profits surged 29.5% in November on a yearly basis, significantly higher than October. In the first 11 months of 2023, industrial profits slid 4.4% from a year earlier, further narrowing from a 7.8% decline in January to October. MBS statistician Yu Wei-ning said that as the effects of macro policies continue to emerge, domestic demand gradually recovered and industrial production picked up at a faster pace in November. The Central Economic Work Conference has emphasized the promotion of technological innovation to advance a modern industrial system. This involves leveraging cutting-edge technologies to foster new industries, models, and growth drivers, as well as to develop new productive forces. Specifically, this focus includes enhancing talent support, improving the innovation system, and strengthening intellectual property protection to support the knowledge underlying new productive forces. Ultimately, this endeavor requires efficient coordination and collaboration among various stakeholders. In the first three quarters of 2023, China's power and energy storage battery production exceeded 572 gigawatt hour, a year-on-year increase of nearly 37%. Lithium batteries are used to power most electric vehicles. Zhang Siran reports on how one Beijing-based company has developed battery technology that significantly increases the range traveled by EVs. Lithium batteries are the most commonly used type of batteries for electric vehicles. How to make them safer, yet at the same time more efficient? Chinese scientists and entrepreneurs have discovered a new solution. Here at the laboratory of Beijing-based company WeLine, we meet Dr. Yang Qi. Solid-state batteries replace liquid electrolytes with solid electrolytes. When partially replaced, it's called the semi-solid-state battery. Traditional liquid batteries have safety and energy density limitations. Currently, we've mass-produced semi-solid-state batteries, which improve both safety and energy density, which means longer range and a lower risk of fire for electric vehicles. These power batteries were introduced in September 2022. In August this year, they were delivered to Chinese EV manufacturer Neil for installation in new vehicles. Dr. Yang says her team's achievements set a global standard. Solid-state batteries were developed and researched at the Institute of Physics at the Chinese Academy of Sciences over the past 40 years. Now with more than 400 scientists in our R&D team, we have more than 500 patents, including over 30 overseas patents. 
Weiland's Xiangjin says the introduction of new battery technology opens up unexplored markets for his company. The energy storage and EV battery are both trillion-dollar markets. We will begin mass production of our semi-solid-state power products for EVs early next year, and semi-solid-state energy storage products this year. Electric vehicles equipped with the batteries can travel over 1,000 kilometers in range on a single charge. Xiang says it's hoped his company's development of new power batteries will help drive China's high-level development. Semi-solid-state batteries are the next generation in battery tech. They can significantly reduce costs and ensure the safe operation of large-scale grid storage, which can accelerate the transition from gasoline to electric vehicles, promote clean energy adoption, and eventually contribute to China's carbon neutrality goals. According to China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, in the first half of 2023, China's lithium battery production exceeded 400 gigawatt hours, representing a 43% growth. Next step, the industry is seeking to expand its global market. Zhang Ziran, CGTN, Beijing. Now, for more discussions on China's economy, we're joined by John Gong, professor at the University of International Business and Economics. John, good to see you in the studio again. Thank、so、you very much. So this morning, the National Bureau of Statistics said that it will prepare adequate policy、uh, tools to deal with、uh, these various risks and challenges in China's economy. So, what are these risks that they're referring to, and what kind of policy tools do you think they will come up with? Well, in my view, we are starting to see some signs of recovery starting from. I would say end of September, you know, getting to October, and November,、uh, and I think the concern or the risks you describe are mainly、uh, associated with the prospect of not recovering, further recovering.、Uh, it has to do with the market's confidence, or has to do with investors' confidence, and I think、uh, we、uh, need to make,、uh, we need to continue this momentum. Um, and, and, and assisted by uh, these uh, fiscal uh, continued fiscal and monetary policies from central government, I think、um, it's, it's it's actually a dangerous thing to see this momentum recovery sort of fading away, and and and, and we're getting to the new year. I think overall, you know, we're still in a very difficult time, you know, just from. Both domestic as well as the international market, global markets perspective, and、yeah. uh, I think the government's policy is still very much called for at this point. And in terms of CPI, we're seeing.、Uh, Moderately low、um, inflation this year, but、mm-hmm. the, there might be a slight pickup next year. What's your outlook for that? For I think this has a lot to do with the oil price.、Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, oil price has been stabilized. I don't see any reason for oil price to have big swings at this point. I think,、uh, and even that's the case. I think you know, China, China has a you know, very good access to some affordable oil from Russia. Uh, so I think、uh, you know, as long as oil prices is,、uh, is controlled,、uh, I don't see any reason for a big jump in inflation at this point. So nothing that we need to worry about. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for your insights. Do stay with us for more discussions later in the program, Professor Zhang Gong for us. Now, the second international supply chain expo will be held in Beijing in November next year. The city concluded the world's first national-level expo of its kind earlier this month.
The organizer, the China Council for the Promotion of International Trade, says the focus of the 2024 Expo will include sectors such as smart vehicles, green agriculture and clean energy. The aim is to promote a stable, secure and smooth global industrial and supply chain system through closer collaboration. A spokesperson says preparations for next year's Expos are already underway. Based on the feedback received, Chinese and foreign enterprises have shown more enthusiasm for next year's Expo. More than 40 exhibitors at the first Expo have already signed letters of intent to participate in the next one. And we've also seen hundreds of new firms that are willing to join next year's exhibition. Still to come. Gold prices hit all-time high of $2,100 an ounce in 2023 amid geopolitical tensions and central banking. The world economy as we know it is about to change. Global business reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global business. Only on CGTN. Gold has been on a tier in 2023 with multiple catalysts pushing prices close to historical highs. The spot price touched $2,100 an ounce earlier this month, setting a new all-time high. This year's geopolitical uncertainty and global central banks' decisions on interest rates have played a pivotal role in driving up gold prices. The price of gold has risen for two consecutive months as Israel-Hamas conflict increased investor demand for safe haven assets. According to the World Gold Council, geopolitics added between 3% and 6% to gold's performance. Earlier this year, the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank also spurred demand. In March, spot gold jumped 2.4% to about $1,900. $20 per ounce, the highest since early February. In the meantime, central banks have been stockpiling gold this year amid rising macroeconomic and geopolitical uncertainties. The latest survey from the World Gold Council shows that 71% of central banks say global central bank gold holdings will rise in the next 12 months compared to 61% last year. Gold has been supported by uh, two main reasons, I would say. First is heightened geopolitical concerns. Geopolitics uh, have uh, provided additional support for gold because it serves as a safe haven. The other factor that is important is that the market is starting to uh, price uh, rate cuts by the Fed and other central banks at some point next year. I also want to mention an additional third factor, so to complement these first two, uh, which is uh, positioning. Like in, in October or so, uh, positioning in the gold market was weak. And that usually means that if the gold price reaches certain uh, higher level, suddenly positioning changes significantly. So suddenly more investors uh, move because the, the gold market is usually uh, on a net long position. And this was very, very, very low. So it's very common that it means reverse. Ahead of the Chinese New Year, there is typically an increased demand for gold jewelry, especially in third and fourth tier cities where there is a notable and robust purchasing power. Our Song Yao Tian has the story. 
A survey indicates that third and lower tier cities have experienced approximately a six percent increase in gold consumption over the past five years. The amount spent on gold per person in these cities has risen from 461 yuan in 2017 to 618 yuan in 2022, surpassing the national average increase. On a daily basis, our shop receives visits from two to three hundred people. With approximately 30 to 40 of them making purchases, a significant portion of these purchases are for gold ornaments intended for weddings, a typical wedding set, which usually include bracelets, rings, and earrings, costs around 10 to 20 thousand yuan. Gold brands are increasingly targeting third and fourth tier cities, and even county level cities. As residents in these areas exhibit robust purchasing power, presenting lucrative opportunities for expansion. Non-first-tier cities now account for 60 percent of all of our shops. In Quezhou, Zhejiang Province, a street spanning just 200 meters is home to 15 gold shops, the majority of which have opened within the past two to three years. We now have four shops in Quezhou. Three of them opened after 2020. In Badong County, Enshi, Hubei Province, there's a gold street featuring six closely situated shops. We currently operate two shops in Badong and are planning to open the third one. Each shop covers an area of approximately 600 square meters and receives over 100 visitors daily. In response to competition, shops are employing diverse promotional activities to entice customers. Our promotion offers a price cut on diamonds with the purchase of gold. Previously, diamonds were not subject to any discounts. This initiative has successfully attracted a large number of customers. We are getting engaged soon and are keeping an eye on the gold prices. As we are considering purchasing some gold items in the near future, it appears that enthusiasm for gold will continue for the foreseeable future, especially with the new year approaching and the spring festival still over a month away. Song Yaotian, CGTN. Now, for more discussions on gold consumption and the recent surge in prices around the world, let's bring back John Gong, professor at the University of International Business and Economics. So, John, what do you think are the main driver behind the surge in gold prices globally? Yeah, I think、uh, you know your program has already mentioned a couple of reasons. I think the most important probably is the rate、uh, decrease, the 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 era of strong dollars coming to an end, and we understand that the closest substitute for dollars is actually the gold, right? So money. Shifting to gold. Another reason I think、uh, the program so far hasn't mentioned is actually America's government's policy. In my view, I think、um, in the U.S. sanctions on、uh, a lot of billionaires and other foreign governments, especially the recent talk about confiscating Russia Central Bank's 300 billion dollars foreign reserve, doesn't bode well for the U.S. dollar. And you know, it's, it's a real demand boost for, for for gold. I think a lot of people, a lot of、uh, rich people around the world,、uh, are rushing. To gold because of that,、uh, and I think that's also a, a fairly important reason、uh, that we haven't discussed so far. Yes. Yeah, and with this historical high,、uh, you know, cost for gold, what might this、uh, affect global、um, economy and also financial markets? 
I think overall it's okay. I think people have been you know, accustomed to the high price of gold for some time. I think it's just a, you know, I think the, the major impact is really the composition of uh, uh, central government, central banks, um, foreign exchange reserve. For example, you know, for China, uh, China has slashed a couple of three or four hundred billion dollars of uh, foreign exchange reserves in the U.S. Treasury bills and bonds. Where does the money go to? My suspicion is that a lot of it is actually going to go, right? Um, another thing is that, uh, you know, impact on the world economy is probably it dampens the demand for these jewelry stuff a little bit. I mean, these things are getting more expensive, um, and uh, you know, it's probably the jewelry market is going to take a hit, maybe a little bit of a hit because of the high gold price, uh, over two thousand dollars per ounce. And I, do you have any real understanding of what an ounce is? I mean, it's, it's, a, not it's just not much, but it's two thousand dollars. Right. Right. That's the that's the cheapest price. That's the that's the real wholesale price, and and that's wow. not that's not that's not cheap at all. It's pretty expensive. Yeah, <laughs> so. not not good for for people trying to buy jewelry for the Chinese New Year. Um, mm. Now. What do you think are the considerations behind, uh, you know, the People's Bank of China increasing the, the gold holding, also a lot of other central banks in the world as well? Well, I think um, I've actually have written a periodical on this. I think, uh, you know, there's a perspective of preserving the value of China's foreign exchange reserve. I mean, the, you know, we understand that the value of dollar is probably going to tank because of the ending of the rate hike and and they want to preserve the value of the total foreign exchange reserve so it's pretty natural that to shift some money into the into the gold holdings and and also I think um, actually your program has uh, you know mentioned a lot about this issue you know the geopolitical uncertainties right so that's a that's a very important uh, uh, consideration in my view mm -hmm. all right thank you so much for thank your you. time really appreciate your insights professor John Gong at the University of International Business and the economics for us still to come. U.S. holiday sales up 3.1% on a yearly basis, reflecting diverse economic sentiments. Three hundred sixty degree profiles of industry movers and shakers, tech mavericks and policymakers. We drill down on their success. We ask how they set strategy and how they navigate in an increasingly competitive market. Real talk, real business. Join the conversation. Biz Talk, only on CGTN. U.S. retail sales increased 3.1% for the period from November 1st to December 24th compared to the same period a year ago, according to a recent report from MasterCard. The growth is lower than 2022 holiday season sales increase of 7.6% and much lower than the 2021 figure of 8.5%. Bolstered by a strong jobs market but buffeted by a lengthy period of inflation and effects of higher borrowing rates, this level of growth can be chalked up as something of a win for consumers. Anyone who flies is familiar with the trend. Add-on fees for everything from extra legroom to priority boarding, pushing the final cost of a flight even higher. There's a theory the airlines designed to make passengers less comfortable, so they'll fork out funds for these upgrades. There are plenty of reasons to book main cabin extra. Maybe you need a little extra room to relax. Want to move up from the C or B boarding groups to the first part of the A group? It's easy with upgraded boarding starting at $30 per flight segment. There are many options for upgrades on a flight, but all these extras cost money. 
Flyers are opening their wallets to pay extra for what used to be the minimum, like seat selection, meal service, or baggage allowance. Airlines know there's money to be made by upselling extras. One Columbia Law School professor famously described his airline strategy as calculated misery, making flying so dreadful that customers are willing to pay more to escape it. If I could pay 1,000 US to just get rid of all um, different um, barriers to get another flight, I'd pay 1,000 US. I, I look at it like it makes sense. If they could charge this, if they could charge it, they, they should, you know? Are you paying a lot to travel with the entire family? Yes. And how are you making sure that all of you are seated together? We pay for seating. <laughs> and it works. Revenue from these extra fees are expected to reach a record $118 billion this year. But this calculated misery principle and implementation has not gotten noticed by unhappy consumers. And passengers say fees are getting worse. Many flyers are reporting being unexpectedly charged for checking in at the airport and printing their boarding passes. It feels like every time you get on a plane, it's like you have to pay, like every, like you have to pay a fee for everything. Like you have to pay for food, for snacks, like things that we used to get before, like sandwich or something. Or like, it's almost like it's like a tiered kind of experience. Uh, you have the people in economy, you have the people in first class, and then they are now adding different classes in the middle that you could also pay for. So it seems like they're just kind of making it almost worse and even more like unbearable to fly. I feel like it's a business, you know. Right now, as more people you can pack in a plane, it's better for them. So it's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm on the side of a business, but on the, on the same as, side as a user, it's hard. It's, it's getting harder to fly. The issue of fees even made it into this year's State of the Union. And will prohibit airlines from charging $50 round trip for family just to be able to sit together. Baggage fees are bad enough. Airlines can't treat your child like a piece of baggage. Americans are tired of being. We're tired of being played for suckers. But all that torment is not stopping travelers from flying. We're expecting a 4% increase over, over last year. It's, um, it's busy. I mean, the, the airport is busy right now. COVID's over and, and people want to get out and about and, and they, they want to travel. Proving that the airline fee strategy is effective for the industry and not likely to disappear anytime soon. Nitsa Soledad Perez, CGTN, Miami. Both inflation and consumer prices in the U.S. have been cooling over the past few months, while the jobs market stays strong. This comes after the Federal Reserve went on an aggressive rate hiking campaign to try and rein in inflation and avoid a predicted recession in 2023. Karina Mitchell reports from New York. Defying many predictions, the U.S. economy escaped recession in 2023. Inflation eased enough for the central bank to pause its rate hikes, and U.S. inflation fell to 3.1% in November, taking down but still above its 2% target. My colleagues and I understand the hardship that high inflation is causing, and we are strongly committed to bringing inflation back down to our 2% goal. That was the message from the U.S. Federal Reserve at the start of the year. In 2023, the central bank continued its most aggressive rate hiking campaign in decades. The Fed raised its key benchmark lending rate 11 times since March of 2022. Hovering between five and a quarter and five and a half percent since July, it's still higher than it's been in more than 20 years. Pundits and analysts argued over the Fed's tactics and their expected impact of its aggressive hikes on U.S. growth, labor and American consumers. 
we do think the Fed is fundamentally flawed, that their framework for forecasting is not good. I think as far as inflation is concerned, I would give uh, Powell A minus. He did very well and inflation is down. Defying expectations, Americans kept spending despite sky-high interest rates, higher prices for goods and services, and astronomical housing costs. Consumer resilience spurred growth as unemployment remained low. All that reemployment gave more money for people to spend. And so the tight U.S. labor market is actually making the U.S. more resilient. Because again, normally it's, it's a cascade of less investment, less employment, and then sp the consumer spending less. So we don't have that problem this time. More economists now have a favorable outlook for the American economy in 2024. I think it's increasingly likely that the U.S. economy avoids a soft landing because it won't be landing at all meaning that we'll avoid a recession, uh, we'll have growth that continues closer to the longer-term trend of about 2% on an annualized basis. Both Economides and Hatfield believe the focus in the new year will shift to rate cuts as the Fed continues its fight against inflation. In its final meeting of 2023, Fed officials projected three cuts next year. Hatfield thinks there will only be two. In response, he expects more investment in small caps and S&P 500 companies. We've seen, you know, a rally the last several weeks. You're looking for 2024 to end above 5,000, 5,100. Mm -hmm. That's the high end of the consensus. So you're bullish on 2024. Absolutely. He also believes there are no real credit risks to banks after three regional bank failures in the U.S. earlier this year. But Economides believes it won't be all smooth sailing, even for bigger banks. The good news for them is that they're highly profitable. So within a couple of years, uh, they will, their losses will be over. They will be, they will be wiped out by the profits. But what happens during the next couple of years, it's still some, some um, danger. For, 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 for these banks, as I said, including very big ones like Bank of America. And many experts say the global economy could face major headwinds from a potentially volatile U.S. presidential election and from the conflicts between Russia and Ukraine and Israel and Hamas. That's clearly a risk, particularly when you have two wars going on, each of which could disrupt the energy markets. The domestic politics in the United States are significantly affected by for a change by the world situation usually they're not but right now they are amrick says u.s fiscal policy could also pose a risk to the global economy next year officials have only uh, been able in the congress to address essentially uh, kicking the can down the road for a short amount of time with respect to funding the government and have not been able to summon the political will to resolve the long-term fiscal challenges that the u.s faces Karina Mitchell, CGTN, New York. And that will do it for this edition of Global Business. I'm Michelle Vandenberg in Beijing.